vitamin A, magnesium, DHA. What's the difference between vitamins and minerals? And does it matter if we get them from food versus supplements? This week, we talk with the man who wrote the book on the uncensored truth about vitamins and mineral supplements, Dr. Johnny Bowden. Known as the nutrition mythbuster, Dr. Johnny dishes up facts about everything from fish oil to red wine, heretic style, with a side of bacon. Coming up next on the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. If you're still confused about what to eat and not getting the results you thought you'd get by going organic, go to nutritionheretic.com and download the shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague for free. The shit list details what health food companies want you to believe about the crap they peddle and why the real foods they're meant to replace are far better. Stop letting big health food dump all over you and download the shit list today. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. (laughs) It's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well-being. Aloha and welcome to the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. This is Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. Yesterday, it's ironic that this happened yesterday. Uh, I was picking up my daughter from work and one of the teachers at the, she works at school. And so one of the teachers asked me a question about potassium iodide. Uh, as you know, I live in the Pacific and uh, with, even though Fukushima, uh, was you know the disaster there was several years ago uh people still worry about radiation and so she wanted to know should she take potassium iodide now that's uh, you know i i can't obviously give that kind of um prescription let's say uh to someone particularly not knowing their background uh but potassium iodide yes it is it is protective for uh the thyroid particularly you know in the face of radioactive iodine that may be coming off of these different types of power plants and and you know leaks in the ocean however for a long-term solution you know i i advise against it because we just we don't know how it's going to react in us long term is, you know, just for our day to day, unless you're in an acute in an acute situation, for a basic day to day, we have to just make sure that our body is flooded with minerals. And she is uh, actually that that's kind of what precipitated the conversation as well, because she's been telling me how she's trying to get herself not drinking soda so much. So I delivered her a bottle of mineral water, and we discussed the benefits of that. So uh, you know, the the mineral conversation actually was kind of funny that it happened yesterday because today I have uh, our guest heretic, Dr. 
Johnny Bowden. I would almost call you Bowden, sorry. Johnny Bowden. He is a PhD and CNS. He is the nutrition mythbuster and author of The Uncensored Truth About Vitamin and Mineral Supplements. Welcome to the show, Dr. Johnny. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm I'm enjoying it already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm well, not going to ask you we, about... We had that great discussion offline when we were just getting to know each other and we talked about all this stuff. We could have gone another half an hour. So I'm already into the conversation with you. And by the way, can I comment on the iodide thing? Yes, please do. Um, this is just something that I have become aware of recently because I did a number of interviews with uh, the thyroid pharmacist, Isabella Wentz, Dr. Okay. Isabella Wentz, who produced and starred in a nine-part uh, documentary on the thyroid called The Thyroid Secret. And I, I was in that, actually, being interviewed in that. Um, and she is really kind of my go-to person for Hashimoto's. Uh, she wrote the book on it, the best-selling book on it. And she actually advises people not to take iodine because anyone with low thyroid who has actually Hashimoto's, which is about 95% of low thyroid, is made worse by iodine. And since you don't know if it's you have low you know low thyroid because it's Hashimoto's or something else, she's she's very reluctant to prescribe higher dosages of iodine to the general public. You know, that's that's a very good point. And I actually neglected to mention that. So I'll have to go back to to the teacher and tell her <laughs> about that. as Well, well. no, I, you know, I didn't know that until about a year or so ago uh, when I was working with her and interviewing her and then got asked to be in that movie. So I learned that at relatively recently also. And it's I, I think it, not everybody knows it, but it certainly makes sense. Right. Well, I had studied with Datis Karasian um, ages ago, and that was one of the things that he was talking about uh, was that, you know, these people feel worse. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're you're doing, you know, this is because up until, well, maybe not up until then, uh, but for the longest time, clinicians were introduced to one form of thyroid dysfunction mm-hmm. and assumed everything fell into that category. And could be treated and the same way exactly. when in fact Hashimoto's needs a very, very multi-leveled and, and complex, multi-dimensional treatment plan. And it is not just about giving thyroid hormone. Right, exactly. So, and yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's the selenium. There's so many different things that play sure. into the thyroid um, that, yeah, uh, you know, we did actually have Isabella Wentz on our list to to did have you? on the show. So I'm not sure what happened to that, but maybe she wasn't available at the time. We, we're going to have well, to. She, uh, is, she is a delight. And, and I can almost get I mean, if you can reach her, I'm sure that she would be delighted to do your show. And she is just a wealth of information and one of the loveliest people you'll ever meet. Oh, nice. I like that. <laughs> yep. So, um, you know, let's talk about vitamins and minerals, or, you know, particularly in, in supplements, I guess we're, we're talking about here. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's a perfect segue because here we're talking about a supplement, iodine, a form of iodine, and people know that that's healthy, which it is, and the thyroid gland needs it, which it does. But this is a, a kind of object lesson in how the wrong supplement for the wrong condition can n- not be such a great thing. And that right. it, it's not just throwing stuff at a condition without kind of understanding some of the nuances. So supplements, I'm all for them. I wrote that book on them. I, if you saw my cabinet over here, you would probably have, be astonished at the number of supplements and vitamins and minerals and powders and and potions and liquids and emulsified things that I have here and that I use on a daily basis. But 
I still think that they need to be used sensibly and smartly and effectively and not always in the dosages that, you know, we think they should be used in. And uh, so it's a great it's kind of a great segue to talk about it uh, coming from the iodine situation. Right, right, right. And, um, you know, and what you say, I, I often tell people, even with foods, because uh, I know that you've written a book about uh, the 150 uh, healthiest foods on the planet. But, you know, I always say that whatever, even though every food, if if our ancestors called it food, it's a, it's a superfood to me. Mm-hmm. However, we have to also recognize that sometimes there can be you know, too much of a good thing, let's say. And Mm -hmm. everyone loved to say, oh, well, everything in moderation, but don't cut out entire food groups and, you know, (laughs) don't, don't only eat this. You know, it's interesting to hear people tell me, well, I, uh, I, you know, believe in everything in moderation. And then in the very next sentence, well, I don't eat. And then they go down this laundry list of foods they refuse to touch. (laughs) <laughs> if you want to talk about nutritional heresy, I, we can start with the everything in moderation, which I think is a crock of you know what. <laughs> and, let me, and I'll tell you exactly why. If uh, Or the whole, you know, let's balance everything. Because not everything is of equal value. Right. And if I'm, if I'm a high school basketball coach, um, I, I don't want one player from each, each class. I want the five best players. Nice. And, and it's kind of the same thing with foods. This, this balanced diet. Why do I have to? I have to balance junk carbs with healthy fat. I mean, what? All, it's an equal lottery system. I mean, come on. That's exactly it. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, that was the other thing I didn't tell you is that usually they're reaching for a donut when they're telling. Us. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, you know what I mean. Everything in moderation. No, well, you know, the actual and, translation and, and, is moderation in all things, which is quite different. Well, quite different. And as as someone who's been very public about addiction and recovery and all of that other stuff and, you know, has worked with people like myself and like many of us that we that we all know who have had addictive uh, pasts or histories, it isn't everything in moderation. You can't give a peanut a person with a with a uh, peanut allergy yes. peanuts in moderation. You can't give an alcoholic alcohol in moderation. I, I don't know where the, the this mantra of everything in moderation came from, but it's you have to choose very carefully what you give and to whom. And well, and everything in moderation is not a good strategy for everybody. Right. Well, uh, you know, the, the phrase was uh, coined over 2,000 years ago to begin with. Mm-hmm. So everything that, that people are including in that everything did yeah. not exist. Right. So the Coca-Colas, the uh, right. Jawbreakers, I don't even know. What do people eat now? You know, Twinkies went out of business. I, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like a lot of the, the, a lot of the garbage, a lot of the, I call them the anti-foods. Uh, they just didn't exist at the time. So it's a, it's a very uh, different world mm-hmm. from back then. So anyway, let's get, let's get back to vitamins and minerals. How can the layperson understand the difference between the two? Between vitamins and minerals? Yes. Um, what makes them oh. differently different and what makes them work differently in the body? What, what are their, you know, do they have specific functions, let's say, as, as far as general categories? Um, I, I don't think that's a helpful way to think of it for the general audience because okay. the, the different because here's what here's why the 13 vitamins and macro minerals and the and the and the micro minerals they all do good things. Yes. In different ways. 
And the classically, what makes one a vitamin and what makes one a mineral is like what makes, uh, for the general audience, do you really care if it's a macro mineral or a mini or, or a micro mineral? These are different biological, different but almost botanical-like categorizations that just work good for species and for people to identify what makes one one and one the other. But I think people should just generally recognize that anything that is an, an essential vitamin or mineral is going to be essential for the human body to perform at its best and it's going to be needed okay. okay you know so whether we're talking about magnesium which is is vitally needed for 300 different biochemical operations or we're talking about vitamin d which has a whole other resume of benefits it, they're both incredibly one isn't more important than the other the, exactly. The, the, yeah. the, the term vitamin came from the notion of vital amines you know compounds that were discovered that without which uh, the, the human body would not work, you know. So they were vital, and they were they, and that's where the vitamin uh, term came from. And of course, the minerals have always been around, but we need them for just a myriad of different functions. So the the, the whole set of them together are very very important. I thought you were going to ask me the difference between supplements. And vitamins and minerals. Well, that, that's com- that's coming down the oh, that's down the pike. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but the All reason right. why I, I ask is because when I studied uh, nutrition, uh, one of my textbooks was a dietetics textbook, and probably mm-hmm. the one that you know ninety percent of all dietitians use uh, when they get their RD. Uh, and they kind of it, it was just a very interesting way that they put it to <laughs> to you know like one being more that like you said it does they they make it sound as if one has more value they actually made vitamins in particular i don't want to say that they didn't have value but the fat soluble vitamins in particular they were just like well they stay around in the tissue longer you don't need to get as much of that you know that mm-hmm. that kind of thing so that's one of the reasons why i let in with that question because we as humans we love to have this totem pole of well this is going to be more important or like you know like we talked about superfoods this food is like uh, you know chia seeds that's going to solve all of my problems yeah it's probably not the best way to think about it (laughs) exactly and and that's one of the reasons why i thought i'd put that to you so actually before i was gonna i had another question on deck but let me let's go right back to what you said the difference between supplements you know uh and naturally occurring vitamins and minerals well, and they, it, supplements can include naturally occurring compounds, but they aren't classed as vitamins or minerals. I mean, uh, different bioflavonoids, all that great stuff that's found in a in an orange or an apple. I mean, it's not just vitamin C. There's a list of uh, things with long, complicated names like bioflavonoids and anthocyanins and all of these different things that botanists classify them at, but they all have health-giving benefits. I mean, there's, we hear about beta-carotene. That's one of 600 in a family called carotenoids. And they're not mm-hmm. vitamins or minerals. They're just really, really important compounds that we get in the diet. And when we get them in a, a diet that's rich in a lot of different you know, things from protein and good fat to nuts and beans and vegetables and all the fruits and stuff like that, real food. Right, right. You know, and actually you just uh, led me to a question that I had further down the list uh, because you touched on the carotenoids. And uh, one of my pet peeves 
is when people, you know, and I'm not trying to bash. It often sounds like I'm bashing people on on so-called plant-based diets. Uh, But, you know, people say like, oh, well, you know, I get plenty of vitamin A from my green leafy vegetables. And to my understanding all these years, uh, vitamin A as in its preformed version uh, is an animal food, you know, is, is coming from your egg yolks and liver and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Those are the best sources of vitamin A, that's, that's for sure. Right. And then, but the carotenoids, you know, the carotenes, they're, they need conversion and the conversion can be as many as 25 units to one, to make one unit of vitamin A. Yes. The, con- the conversion is unreliable at best for a lot of different things, for fatty acids, for all kinds of things. So I guess what I'm saying by, by mentioning all of these other compounds that are not vitamins and minerals, uh, like the flavonoids and cocoflavanols and the anthocyanins and, and the things that give berries their color, all of these things are different chemicals that are very, very important and are, are constantly being found to have benefits. And I believe, even though I've always uh, believed in supplementation, but the people who say, oh, you should get it from food, I th- the point that they do have here is that I think your vitamins and minerals, the ones we know about, the ones we identify, work probably better in that synergistic matrix with all those things that we are still learning about, like the flavonoids and the flavanols and the anthocyanins and the catechins and all these different things that, that are, haven't even all been identified, but those that have, have shown a lot of promise. And, and even some of the supplements we get today are really extracted from those kinds of things, like barabine, a very big supplement, not a vitamin nor a mineral but, you know, extracted from these different compounds. So um, to answer the question I think was either coming or had just been asked, <laughs> supplements is just the, a larger category that includes vitamins and minerals, anything that's supplemental to the diet, but it can also include herbs and botanicals and milk thistle for the liver and alpha-lipoic acid, which is an amazing substance, but it isn't really, you know, fish or fowl. It's not a vitamin, it's not a mineral. Uh, L-carnitine, which helps, you know, shuttle fat into the fatty, uh, into the mitochondria so it can be burned for energy. I mean, these substances are not really vitamins or minerals, but they're found in food extracted from plants or, or, or from protein and um, often sold as supplements, even though they don't qualify as either vitamins or minerals. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, I do hear that argument like I prefer to get it from from food, Uh, you know, my my nutrition from food, which I agree. Uh, But I think you talked about. Well, exactly. And and you talk about unreliability. And I think that our food supply, uh, particularly in this country where, uh, you know, for for generations, the soil has been so depleted is not quite as reliable as it would have been 100 years ago. Totally. or even, you know, by the end of World War II, because it's after World War II where people started moving off the farms and we started seeing um, basically the, the, the uh, genesis of big agriculture uh, with its monocropping. And although I've sort of changed my idea on monocropping, we can talk about that another day. <laughs> but uh, just some some revelations I had about the forest. Uh, but um uh, yeah, you know, I think that uh, we need to recognize that we can get these from both. And in some cases, I guess where I what I worry about is the person who is 
claims to be such a staunch advocate of of getting it from food and one they're not actually eating nutritious food uh or they're getting it in the synthetic form that general mills wants us to have it in uh i have no argument everything you're saying i agree with right or that um you know they when they really need it let's say the thyroid problem whatever and there's Mm -hmm. what no i'm not going to do it well now you've just you know kind of put the nail in your own coffin you know this <laughs> this may have been the thing to help you so you know that kind of goes anyway either way right with even with the the diet in general where people mm-hmm. say i'm just going to shun an entire category and that will never you know enter my mouth again and we have to be open enough to recognize that there could be a value there to us at some point um on our journey mm-hmm. to better health uh so l- let's talk a little bit about fat soluble Vitamins, uh, because that's been, I think, a focus. You you touched on vitamin D. We talked about vitamin A. That's been a big focus in in recent years. What's the surge of interest in the fat soluble vitamins? Well, first of all, there are four fat soluble vitamins: A, D, E, and K. Uh, Nothing new, nothing sexy, nothing unusual. The same old four that have been there from the beginning of the discovery of vitamins. I think what the attention we're seeing is not so much on those vitamins, but on uh, the resurgence of interest in fat. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things as we start to discover how misled we were about fat and its role in obesity and heart disease and you know the demonization of saturated fat, all of this stuff, which I wrote a book about called The Great Cholesterol Myth. So clearly, you know where I stand on that. I think you know fat was unfairly demonized and and blamed for things that it never caused. And I think that now that we're beginning to see the light on that and uh, sugar is coming under the gun and we're starting to see how we were misled partly by the dollars spent by the sugar industry to kind of cast the blame elsewhere and keep the attention off sugar. We're starting to start uh, to look at all the incredible benefits that fat has in the human diet. And one of those, which nobody seemed to pay attention before, was to make it possible for you to absorb these fat-soluble vitamins. So all of these people who are, you know, drinking terrific maybe juices and they're drinking all the, they're, they're with, loaded with all those orange and red carotenoids you're not absorbing them if you're not exactly. to it so i think i don't think it's so much the vitamins that are getting the new attention although certainly vitamin d is maybe a special case uh, and vitamin k actually come to think of it so maybe maybe you're right there there is some attention on those two at least but i think the i think part of what threw them into the spotlight was the fact that they really needed their partner which is fat which is now only finally like being okay to to introduce back into the diet, um, and I think that in in the discussion of those those advantages of a higher fat diet, that was one of them, and that's what called attention to it. Right now, now let's let's focus a little bit on fat in the sense that everybody likes to, when they talk about fat, you see a picture of an avocado. What are what are yeah. <laughs> what are the in other words? There's more than just avocado fat because it's you know we've, we've put everything on the chopping block, and then we've and then certain ones we we raise up on a pedestal, right? So well, we olive put, oil. I, I got I have to uh, cop to the blame of that. I I put we put a avocado on the cover of our book Smart Fat. 
Yes. Uh, Dr. Stephen Masley and I wrote, and the, the avocado was the poster child. I think he, probably because it's the least controversial fat. It's <laughs> like, okay, the, the, the anti-fat people, they'll admit that avocados are great, monounsaturated fat and all that stuff. And, and the high fat people love it. And so it's kind of one of the only places we can agree. So, you know, without it being too controversial, an avocado kind of, you know, holds it together. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I would, uh, of course, you know, if it were my book, I would have a picture of beef suet. Or <laughs> something but I mean, certainly there could have been other ones. Coconuts. Right, no, no, but no, but uh, yeah, and that's kind of what I, what I was getting at, that, that there are other fats that that are important. And Wonderful. many of these, many of these fats, uh, you know, let's taking, let's say beef fat or, or pork fat are high in these, these very uh, fat soluble vitamins that we're talking about. Yes, they are. You know, the, the more the more yellow the beef fat, right? The the more mm -hmm. vitamin A. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, pork uh, fat from pastured pigs is very high in vitamin D. All true. Um, so All uh, you know. True. So wild yeah. Salmon, so, wild salmon. Yes. Like that great stuff from Vital Choice that comes from Alaska that they ship yeah. to your door. I love that. I um, love that stuff. I, I had Randy on the show. Oh, oh that great. fish! I've I've introduced so many people to that fish, and they're like they just can't get enough. <laughs> no, it's it it it, uh, it sells itself once you've had it. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and it's such an ethical company, and, and you know I I know them. I don't have any. Uh, I, I'm not a part owner in this company. They're just a really great company, Vital Choice. They, yeah. they, they're so ethical and, and the food is amazing and, you know, it's just good. Good yeah, stuff. It's, but anyway, really why do we get on that? Because salmon also, wild salmon has a wonderful uh, uh, concentration of vitamin A and D. Um, you know, these are the, those are yeah. They are mostly in animal foods. Of course, the the precursors are in vegetables like beta carotene. Right. But yeah, they're they're if the argument is are there wonderful nutrients that the human body does better with that are found almost exclusively in animal foods? The answer is yes. And that doesn't, you know, and, and one of my biggest arguments with vegans and vegetarians is not their feelings about not wanting to eat animals, which I 100% understand. It's yeah. their refusal to recognize that there's a dilemma here. I don't want to Kill, kill animals either but the human body does better with omega-3s that are fully formed and not the omega-3s that come from flax but the right. ones that are pre-formed as long chain omega-3s omega, omega -3s in that you only find really in fish and maybe yes they now say there's one of them you can get in algae in some tiny amounts but basically they come from fish they don't come from plant foods and the same thing with B12 there's no good plant source of B12 in the world and the, the vegan internet is filled with with arguments that there is but it's not true it's made up alternative facts there's no b12 in the plant kingdom um very hard to get zinc very hard to get iron and they always say you know well you can get it from spinach yeah it's not as absorbable i mean there's well, there are risks to a vegan diet and right. i you know i think that we have a much better chance of solving them if we can tell the truth about them and not pretend that they don't exist Right, right, yeah, and uh, the one of the sad things is when somebody finally uh, we had uh, Lear Keith on the show, and uh, you know the author of the Vegetarian Myth, and and you know she said that basically you just have to get to a point where you can't deny it anymore. You know, you just can't. You realize that you've been had, and that you've been trying to live up to an ideal that maybe you know has some holes in the theory. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a process for all of us. And we're all, we're, you know, we're all on, uh, looking for the right way to be in the world, right? The, the thing that makes us feel comfortable being in the world, particularly because we have so much information of, you know, what our governments have done and what our food industry does and so many things that our parents and grandparents didn't have to worry about, um, as well as some that they did. Uh, but, yeah, we just need to get to a, a place where we just can't deny it anymore. You know, and that's the, you know, as far as that goes, you know, that it, it is what it is. And people mm-hmm. have to, they uh, take that, that turn when it's, when it's appropriate for them. Mm-hmm. Understood. So, um, you know, what does cooking do to the vitamins and minerals? Is it, you know, does it have a different effect well, it depend. It actually depends. Like people ask that about raw foods versus cooked or steamed. Exactly. Some foods that have very tough cell walls don't really give up their nutritional goodies unless you steam them or cook them a little bit. And so some of those are less. And nobody's really ever measured this and done you know clinical trials with two matched groups to see whether that you get a little bit more of a certain vitamin from cooked broccoli than you do from you know these are kind of inferential from what we know when they analyze the water and such. But but it it appears that some of them do actually need a little bit of softening of the cell wall through cooking or steaming before they're as nutritious and others are, are terrific eaten raw. Tomatoes seem to be better uh, cooked. They have a lot of studies associating cooked tomatoes with good health outcomes. Um, same thing with uh, with broccoli, but there are a number of things that are great raw. So I think every single food is a little bit different. Right. And, and you know, going back to the everything in moderation, that's kind of where I stand, you know, as far as that theory is, well, I'm going to have a cooked vegetable at dinner and maybe a raw vegetable at lunch or vice versa. Uh, in other words, it's trying to throw it all into one camp and say, oh, only raw. That's the only thing that's going to you know give me all the because look at all the look at all the nutrients that's in raw vegetable. Well, if I can't get it out the cell wall. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have I some think, problems. I do think, though, that if you if you take the elevator if you take the the helicopter view of nutrition in America and where we are with this that the things we're discussing is a is a raw food diet better than a paleo or a paleo or do we need it to be completely vegan or can we eat a pastured pig we are we're talking to a pretty healthy group if they even know what this stuff is if you look at from the from the helicopter view of people who eat McDonald's all day long who do not exercise who don't know what a trans fat is who think french fries and donuts and sodas are like staples in that's who we need to be talking to i mean honestly the difference in in the amount of vitamin c i get from raw broccoli versus cooked broccoli is is infinitesimal compared to the difference between people who don't eat broccoli at all and right. people who do. So, you know, I can I can tell that you have that social consciousness. We've got to remember that, that like the, the real education here is not just talking in an echo chamber about minuscule differences in nutrient content between one way of preparing a food and another. It's interesting. It's fun. I get it. But in the overall thing, like what we're dealing with, with the health, with people dying earlier and earlier, with our kids not even going to be living as long as we were the first time in history with a, a rate of obesity that's pushing 30%, believe me, (laughs) that's the information we need to get out there. 
Right, right. Well, yeah, believe it or not, I have I have a number of listeners who are still they're they're just coming to terms with uh, their you know whatever their their vices are. Let's call them. Uh, so yeah, you know this is this is part of the over information that I'm trying to clear up for them because a lot of them you know the knee-jerk reaction is i eat a junk food diet i gotta go vegan or a vegetarian no you know what i have such i have such a simple solution (laughs) i mean it's like my my mantra for for if i had to leave a legacy of one piece of health information Mm -hmm. it would be eat from the johnny bowden four food groups food you could hunt fish gather or pluck end of story right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, and you can that's, mix and match any way you want. You right. can eat raw or cooked or, or I don't care how you eat it. But if it comes from food that you could have hunted or fished or gathered from the ground or plucked from a tree, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Actually, one of my one of my early uh, pamphlets that I handed out had, had a very similar uh, mantra on it. Um, so how, how do people... How do you suggest people go about making sure that, you know, because everybody's worried that they're not going to get enough nutrients, they're not going to get enough, you know, of this vitamin or too much sodium, uh, whatever, you know, there's, there's, once people get down this road, they become very obsessive, right? And they become, like I said before, they become uh, over uh, educated to the point that they get paralyzed. How do you suggest people don't get so so I you know, would, invested that okay, they're they're, I they're saying I, I, think, I think i know what you're saying and mm-hmm. um i'm gonna take a slightly left turn on that question okay it's my experience that people start out obsessive and then they apply it to whatever they happen to be interested in so mm-hmm. i don't think that this nutrition information is making people obsessive. I think that if someone has a kind of obsessive personality and tends to approach things that way, we see them in nutrition. But I can tell you as a dog lover, I've seen them in the dog world and in the dog rescue world. When you when it can be in it can be in a hundred different venues. When people have that kind of they apply it to whatever they're interested in. So there's nothing inherent about nutrition mm. that that has to make people, you know, oh, right, right. nuts about stuff. Um and and honestly, and and telling someone who's basically obsessive in nature to not worry so much is like telling a depressed person, "Don't be depressed." So, mm-hmm. you know, what I would tell everyone else who isn't isn't obsessing about this, and of course, the people who are obsessing as well can listen to it, um, is that it this it's not as difficult as everybody's made it out to be. Mm-hmm. That that really eating a variety of real foods and getting as many things off your plate that were manufactured in the sense of they came from boxes and they came from uh, uh, TV dinners or they came from uh, packaged mixes. or And the more you can, I, I wasn't kidding about that, food that it, it, it could have been hunted, it could have been fished for, it came from, it's a nut, nuts, uh, uh, fruits, vegetables, things that grow, can be plucked, you know, from a tree or from the ground. If you can, if you can front load your diet to have those things, and then maybe we, and we can talk in a minute about how you could supplement that as well to really just cover all the bases. That would be just a really 
great strategy and and it doesn't require lots of calculation of the percentage of protein and the percentage of fat and the percentage of um of carbohydrates and what kinds of it it, it, it it's it doesn't require a lot of um doesn't take up a lot of bandwidth in terms of what you have to figure out about your food i mean food is supposed to be fun too and 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 pleasurable and enjoyable and really the only thing you need to know about it is it needs to be real Food that yeah. your great-grandmother would have recognized as food. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I talk to people about that a lot. But one of the things I'm, I'm finding, and, and uh, for example, in your book, you talk about uh, curcumin, which is in turmeric. Yep. Uh, here, it grows here in Hawaii, like mm. literally a weed. It's everywhere. Like, and, mm-hmm. and people, you know, they're, and they're trying to find every way they can work it in. But then, you know, they start hearing about, you know, blue zones came to the island. So now everybody's trying to drink wine at five and figure out how to get the turmeric in there with the wine. And then they hear that they need probiotics. So now they got to figure a way to put the probiotic in there and the fish oil. And you see what I'm, where I'm going with? So, you know, aside from just the regular food, we're, we're getting into these supplements, you know, the, the omega threes and, and all of this. And, and people are, I'm finding that people are getting really like you know you talked about i I personally think that everybody is neurotic about something i I think we all have neuroses that's how we choose what we're going to do in life right we we gravitate towards graphic design or or uh you know uh the theater or whatever um that's you know that's our obsessive nature and so food can be an extension of that and uh and you know when i see uh I, I see a lot of people who didn't care about their diet and then they start, you know, maybe it's the cancer or something comes up and now they've got to start focusing, but then they get, they almost become paralyzed by trying to do it all, trying to, you know, do everything. And then they heard a report about this and they're trying to, you know, make it all happen. You know, when it comes to the, the supplement side, cause you said you would go into that a little bit more. Sure. You know, how, how do we keep our sanity? You know, how, how do, because I think even people who, don't start out that way have the propensity to end up there once they start doing the research and once they start talking to people who you know are barking in their ear telling them that they got to do this and you got to add that and you know this is better for you than that and and those kinds of things you know where do we go on the on the supplement end of that well, it's a very good question, and and it really depends on the person. There are people who take 60, 70 vitamins or, or supplements, 60, 70 supplemental um, compounds a day, and there are people who really don't even want to swallow two pills. So, you know, I think there's a supplementation program for everyone. I think it's individual. It depends if there's a condition that you're dealing with, for example, uh, any kind of liver ailment or hepatitis or, or um, any kind of history of problems with the liver you would want to supplement with certain things that you might not necessarily be on the, the top of your list if you were if you didn't have a liver issue like milk thistle for example which is good for everybody's liver but essential for people who've had some liver challenges and and, and things like that so so every supplement program is going to be different um, what I always struggle with because I'm asked to write an article like this at least once a year sometimes more and I'm asked all the time in interviews and like what are the top Top 10, what are the five? What does everybody need? What are the three right. ones that every man needs? So, you know, I have my personal top 10 list 
it's shared with many others, but not identically. Others have certain preferences for, for others that they put in their top 10. It's sort of like if you ask 10 jazz critics for the 10 greatest jazz albums, all of the lists would have Kind of Blue by Miles Davis, but they might differ on the other nine. You know, there's so it's the same sort of thing with vitamins. If you asked all of us, uh, you know, what our top 10 are, there'd be a lot of overlap. And so what I, I would say to someone who is just contemplating supplementation, that the three that absolutely everybody needs are omega-3s, preferably from fish oil, vitamin D, and magnesium. And it's followed really closely by probiotics. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that there are there are two, you know, if you if that's even too much for you, then there are really high quality multiples. Rainbow Light is one of them. It makes a really good multiple for like every. There's one for men and one for women and one for uh, young men, and they're really high quality. I've met the 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 owners of that company and spoken to them about their ingredients. They just care very very deeply about it. So you could just do a multiple and be done with it. But I do think that even with the multiple. Um, almost no one gets enough omega-3s, almost no one gets enough magnesium, and almost no one gets enough, well, I shouldn't say almost no one, but you know, se- most of the surveys show 70% or more of Americans have uh, certainly less than optimal vitamin D, certainly. And they may not be deficient by, this, by these pathetic standards that where you almost- I was just be, about to say yeah, this. Before <laughs> they call it, but you know, certainly the, the, the numbers that we like to see 50 to 80, um, most people don't are, are not there. And, and so I think vitamin D, because of the myriad of health benefits that it has and, and that it's associated with, uh, again, um, omega-3 is the most anti-inflammatory thing in the world. And I'm all for getting these things in, in because I know a lot of people don't love pills. Um, there are other forms. Vitamin D is a tiny little pill. Anybody can swallow it. It's like a Tic Tac. But, for example, fish oil is a challenge for a lot of people. Barleen's makes something called a swirl, which is a, a t- have you ever tasted them? They're amazing. They and they're no, very. Oh, you should definitely you should get them to send you some. Or they're they're they win product of the year every year. But oh, they're really? basically it's fish oil suspended in a kind of a, a, a fruity kind of compote that that uh, compote that that actually is just as absorbable as as is you drank the oil and mm-hmm. it's really not I, I I'm not going to tell anybody that it's Ben and Jerry's but it's really not a, you know <laughs> it, it's not bad at all it's very tasty you know you, you can even you know you kids love it, it it's just very very doable way to to get that and and even magnesium can be drank and and there's one of my favorite products on the market it's called natural calm um and and it's a drinkable magnesium and it can you can take i take it on the road with me it's mm-hmm. great muscle cramps it's great for relaxation magnesium i mentioned it earlier 300 different biochemical uh, uh reactions in the body require magnesium and it lowers blood pressure or it, it helps to lower blood pressure it helps to relax the uh, the brain and the body which is why you know blood pressure tends to go down and uh it helps to moderate blood sugar so it's a really just nobody and it's, 70% of people don't get even the paltry FDA, uh, RDA, which is 400 milligrams a day. I think it should be more. So I drink that stuff, and that's an easy way without even having to swallow pills. It's to have a natural calm drink. Um, you know, and then, then there are specialty supplements that I'm, and some of them are very exciting, actually. Um, but again, 
If, don't even listen to this. If you're just starting, just get the fish oil and the magnesium and the vitamin D. And I, I do have to add probiotics to that. I think it's a really important, you know, the, the, the research on the microbiome, which is, of course, as you know, uh, and maybe some of many of your listeners know, is the, the entire ecology of microbes that lives in your gut and, and on your skin, but primarily in your gut, which is what we're concerned about. And when that microbiome is not healthy, when the bad guys start to outnumber the good guys. It's like the weeds growing in your garden and they outnumber the roses and all of a sudden you got this ugly garden. But when you have an ugly microbiome that's overrun by the bad guys, there's a lot of health consequences to that. And it's been associated with, condition, with conditions we wouldn't have ever even dreamed of. There's a, an association between a, the microbiome and schizophrenia, between the mm -hmm. microbiome and depression, between the microbiome and, um, and, and obesity. It, it's just a very, very exploding area of research. And probiotics are the good guys so uh, I don't think we know yet what the ideal dosage is going to be or what the ideal strains are still learning all that but I, I mean right now uh, for a general kind of insurance I would I would add probiotics to that I take those every day because you really want to give the microbiome a fighting chance right well you so know those, uh, uh, yeah. Natasha Campbell McBride uh, says that there was a time where every bite of food we had contained pro probiotics uh, because and I study uh, regenerative farming and it keeps coming back to this probiotic uh, mold that we add to the plants that that's what they thrive on and that's what you know inoculates the animals that eat it and then us when we eat uh, you know the ones that are suitable for us yeah so it's really you know to think of I think when some people think of probiotics, they think of it as something per, perhaps unique to the human species. But in fact, it's really oh God, no. kind of the, the, the thing that, that, that makes all of life happen. Oh, absolutely. Plant, plant or animal. I, I'm not a big fan of kombucha. But the, the selling point of kombucha is it's fermented and it has probiotics. I mean, they, they it ferment kimchi has probiotics. It's, it's not uniquely human at all. It's right. any kind of fermented products. A real sauerkraut has pro probiotics. Well, well, well but uh, at one point, even just, you know, the, the plants growing in the ground were full of probiotics. But because of our sanitized uh, agricultural practices, uh, the plants are not thriving on the probiotics that are present in the soil mm -hmm. is what we're, is what we're finding out in in uh, you know regenerative agriculture. Very interesting. Now I now you know for the for people who want to go a little more high tech into some of the kind of designer supplements or some things that I think mm -hmm. are pretty exciting yeah, on the horizon. Um, well, I can think of two off the top of my head. One is collagen, mm, which yeah, in making a big splash recently and of course as you know bone broth I don't exactly. know if it's swept Hawaii yet but it's oh, yeah. been already all right and and one of the big selling points of bone broth is it has collagen and so what's the big deal with collagen well collagen is one of the you know I'm very interested in anti-aging as as you probably know I've talked about it before yes, and I'm yes. you know big advocate for programs that uh, you know try to manage aging well and um, collagen is one of those things that really goes, starts to really go downhill as we age. We just don't produce as much of it. We lose about 1% a year of our collagen production in our 20s. And by the 40s, we're not making any. And it's the major protein in the body. And it's the one out of which all connective tissue comes. Therefore, skin starts to wrinkle. Joints start to hurt. 
I mean, all the symptoms of aging, it could be argued that they, they're not all caused by low collagen, but low collagen doesn't make them any better. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> so I think that, you know, the whole idea of collagen supplementation, um, it, it's a pretty hot idea, pretty good idea. And there's companies that make really good collagen. I love NeoCell stuff. Um, they've been around 20 years. And they even have an interesting story because the guy who founded NeoCell in, in 20 years ago was 70 years old and he had just had a, like a triple bypass and he was oh. deteriorating tremendously and he couldn't recover and he had he was a very vital guy by all accounts and so he just started delving into the natural products and, and holistic healing literature and trying to find anything and he lighted upon collagen and he feels he felt that that was the reason for him being able to like regenerate his muscles and get his energy back and, and get back on his feet and then he formed and he, and he got on a mission and he formed this company NeoCell and it, it's now the, the top selling collagen in the country and it's really good stuff so I think collagen supplements are a great idea there's another category that um, is making a kind of a big splash in the in the scientific stuff and, and starting to bleed through because a lot of the people who do life hacking and performance hacking like Tim Ferriss, people like that that are kind of biohackers that are constantly looking for ways to, you know, actually get into their physiology and 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 try to modify some things um, are, are very excited about this and, and they are called NAD promoters. Have you heard okay. of this? I don't think so. All right, so NAD is a, is a substance in the cell that is absolutely necessary for every single cellular operation. Um, in, in you burn fat in the mitochondria. That's a cellular operation. You detoxify. And that's a cellular operation. You protect your. There are there are cellular operations that protect your DNA. There's all kinds of these little you know cellular operations that go on. Every one of them requires NAD. Mm -hmm. And as luck would have it. We start to make less and less NAD as we get older, just like Yay. right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one of life's lovely little tricks, you know. All the good stuff we start to make less of. So, you know what happens when there's less NAD in the cell? It doesn't operate as efficiently or as as, as cleanly, and it can't do all the things it does. It's like putting it on putting a, a company on a budget. Now it's only going to do the essential things, and it's sort of starting to wilter around the edges, and eventually cells die. So how to get more NAD into the cell has been kind of the the holy grail in in a, in a certain field of anti aging medicine. And you might ask, but why don't we just take NAD supplements? And the answer is they don't work. It, they just uh. don't. It just you know sometimes some some supplements. It, it, they don't survive digestion. I mean, they have tried NAD supplements. I used to try them back in the uh, early 2000s. Um, not effective. They they don't. They just don't raise NAD stores. They don't by the time they get into the body. So it's always been a question of how do we hack? How do we do a biohack that mm. will make body make more of this magic substance without which you know we don't function very well and you know which is definitely we, we believe associated with a certain aspect of anti-aging because if you can keep yourselves youthful that's a big part of staying youthful so 10 years ago a biochemist named Charles Brenner discovered a form of vitamin b3 not niacin not nicotinamide not acid but it's called nicotinamide riboside or NR Right, and one of the things that this little this little guy does is it boosts NAD stores in the cell. Mm, okay. So 
the, yeah, and these NAD promoters have been on the cover of Life Extension magazine. Uh, the the it's called they call it uh, Niagen. That's the kind of the the trade name for the this nicotinamide riboside. You don't get it in 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 multiples. It's a very special form of vitamin B three that was isolated from milk, but you don't get enough in milk to do this. And they now sell that as a supplement. It's called True Niagen, T R U Niagen, mm-hmm. and that's that is one of the things I take every single day now again not putting this down is like the top three things that everybody because if people are deficient in omega-3s and magnesium and vitamin d and probiotics those things are going to that's going to be that's the immediate that's a triage that's what we got to cover first but you know for people who like to tinker with their physiology and and you know look for a little bit of edge in 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 i hate to call it anti-aging i like to call it age management <laughs> uh, and things like collagen well you know things like then collagen supplements and cuniagen i think those things you know they're definitely a part of my anti-aging routine i can tell you that right right and may i ask how old are you at this point i am 71 wow that's awesome Yes. And actually, you know, 71 doesn't seem that old anymore. <laughs> As I get closer. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I um, if I had any mission, it's to it's to help people realize that 71 doesn't have to be what you think 71 is. <laughs> well, that's just and that it. You can and insert your own age in there. I mean, the point is aging doesn't have to look like our parents' generation looked. Exactly. And that's that's, uh, you know, that has been uh, in the back of my mind for for decades now. You know, just why does, you know, one guy look like you and another guy at like 50 look like Archie Bunker? You know, like why? (laughs) Yeah. And it's lots of things. Um, people like to say it's genes, but genes accounts for maybe 20% of the variance. And it's so, it, you know, genetics, they load the gun, but everything we, yes. do, we do pulls the trigger. Um, certainly the way we eat, the way we live, our relationships, hormones. I'm a, I'm a big unashamed promoter of, and promoter of, believer in hormone mm-hmm. replacement therapy done well by, by a responsible, uh, you know, age management medical practice. I um, think it's a very, very important part of it. None of these things by themselves make the difference, but put together synergistically, I think that they can really create a very, I, I believe in, in, in living younger, not necessarily yes. even longer. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah. It, and, and having come out of, uh, you don't know this about me. <laughs> I used to long time ago worked in pharmaceutical and they would always talk about oh. quality of life, you know, because the, the drugs I was supposed to be promoting were, you know, for arthritis and migraines. And you know, it was always about quality of life. Uh, and while science loves to pat itself on the back, we're keeping people alive longer. Many of these people are in, in you know, rehab centers and, and old folks homes, you know, where not they're what we n- want. not, we, you know, they're not having a quality. No, and nobody wants that extra five years if you're going to be in, in an oxygen tent and assisted living. Exactly. We want exactly. the health or, span yeah, to be in a, in a in a semi vegetative state, right? Right. We want the health span to be longer. That's what I. That's what I'm. That's my mission: the health span, not the lifespan. Right. That's that. I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> uh, right. One one misconception I would like you to clear up for people because I want it from the horse's mouth, okay. so to speak. So to speak, um, the proverbial horse. Yes, exactly. The talking horse. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed. <laughs> um, uh, sodium. Yeah. 
what are the misconceptions about sodium? Uh, you know, one of the things here um, on the island I find invariably is a problem. Uh, any restaurant that wants to consider itself even moderately looking out for your health, yeah, again, you. blue yeah. zones, whatever, completely flavorless because they refuse to use salt. Or at least enough to, 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 I, to make where, the food as, enjoyable. As, as Sir Perel says, where shall we begin? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of misconceptions about salt for the general audience. Number one, um, salt got a bad rap because everybody believed it raised blood pressure. But just as we all thought fat increased heart disease and turned out to be wrong about that, the, the truth is a little bit more complex. We now know that there is a genetic predisposition to what's called salt sensitivity. Not everybody is salt sensitive. If you're not salt sensitive, salt has a much less effect on your blood pressure than if you are salt sensitive. Makes sense, right? The problem is that since we don't really know who is and who isn't, you know, the the general the health the 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 health organizations that kind of dictate this stuff stay on the safe side and tell everybody to be low in salt. Um, the the problem is that sodium is an important electrolyte. We need it. It has a lot of benefits. And um, and not everybody has to go as low as, you know, the, the, the media is making it seem. In fact, even the anti-salt people um, think there's a cutoff at like 2,300 milligrams a day. It, it doesn't have to go down to 1,500, which is, is, as you said, utterly and completely tasteless. So know that not everybody's the same when, they come, when it comes to the reaction to the salt. That's the first thing. The second thing to know is that salt or sodium not salt, salt is mm -hmm. sodium and chloride, but there is sodium in salt. Um, sodium has a synergistic relationship with potassium. And, and, and they literally are in this dance together and with, where they have to maintain this balance. And much, many of us believe that much of what has been blamed on sodium is really a horrible imbalance between sodium and potassium. So it's not so much that we're getting so much sodium, it's that we're getting zero potassium. Mm -hmm. And if bring those two in balance, um, I, I think I believe some of the issues with with high with so-called so higher sodium uh, would would kind of disappear because I, I believe that higher sodium is only a problem when there's not enough potassium to balance it. So that would be one thing I'd be aware of. Just everyone's concentrating on taking in less sodium. Concentrate on taking in more potassium. Nice. Yeah, that that was that was actually what I was aiming for. <laughs> When I asked the question, because I really oh, wanted people to understand that it's that there is this synergistic relationship. Um, you know, one one thing that I I might add to that is that uh, the uh, kosher salt or the the salt with the little girl Morton salt with the little girl with the umbrella um, is very different from the naturally occurring salts uh, that are true. actually extremely high in magnesium and other trace minerals as well. So, um, you know, not all salt is created equal. Right. Uh, uh, and also, that yeah. when we, you know, kind of keep that in, in mind, uh, it's more about what we've done to food and what we've done to our minerals and our, our you know, salt than it is those particular foods in, you know, for yes. what they are. Sure. Uh, so, you know, with that, um, 
you know, I, I'm going to let you go because I know that you've got things to do and I've certainly got some things here. Uh, is there anything that you want to add? Um, anything you want to let everybody know about? Well, I, I'd love to offer that book that you referenced, The uh, the Uncensored Truth About Vitamins and Minerals, um, free to uh, your listeners as a, as a bribe, if I may, because I'd love them to know about the 10th anniversary edition of the 150 Healthiest Foods on Earth, the book that you alluded to earlier. It was first published in 2007. I just revised it, updated it. It's, uh, it, it's so up-to-date. It's got lots of stuff on grass-fed beef versus regular beef and wild salmon versus regular and what does organic mean and what is grass-fed and what's the difference and uh, 150 foods gone into in great detail what's good about them what's bad about them there's a section on artificial sweeteners the good the bad and the ugly it's really been updated I'm so proud of it and it's been I, and I say this with great humility I it was I got endorsed by Dr. Oz Mark Hyman, David Perlmuter, Daniel Amen. Uh, wow. It was just, you know, Anne Louise Gittleman, Dr. Barry Sears, yes. it, it just Josh Axe. I mean, you know, the, the who's who, and, and they all just said such kind words about it. So I'd love people to get that. Uh, it's not very expensive. It's on Amazon. And if you, you get that book anywhere and you just email the digital receipt or just forward the receipt when they said thank you for your purchase, whatever, forward it to info, I-N-F-O, at johnnybowden.com there's no H in Johnny it's J-O-N-N-Y-B-O-W-D-E-N and we will send you that ebook out the the un, uh, uncensored truth about vitamins and minerals which I hope that you will enjoy oh fantastic well thank you so much I definitely enjoyed it I'm going to uh, keep it as in, in my arsenal of, of uh, bibles <laughs> oh, <laughs> about nutrition uh, because I, I always uh, you know am looking for j- the old as well as the new. Um, uh, one of the things I've found over the years is that in some cases, the really old stuff is is so spot on and, and clarifies so much of what we are struggling to to uh, reacquaint ourselves with um, as nutritionists these days. And yours is one of the few that really, uh, you know, in the modern time that really puts things into perspective without kind of blowing things up out of the water you know there's there's certain we kind of talked about this before where there's certain people uh, or you know products coming out or books and so on where like everything is all good or all bad but I, I like the fact that you um, use a little bit of anecdotal en- evidence uh, but as well as the the hardcore you know, science but you're not trying to turn everything into such a miracle that people have to stop thinking for themselves well, I think that's the biggest challenge in, in nutrition is to get people to think for themselves. And it's hard because, you know, we are overwhelmed with information. My friend Ashley Koff calls it uh, um, infobesity. And, you know, we need. <laughs> I love it. And, brilliant, right? And we need shortcuts to understand things. So we need these sound bites and memes. And unfortunately, health, nutrition, unfortunately, no subject is that easily uh, put into you know three or four bullet points. So people want to know, is this food good or is it bad? And, and the answer is more complex than that. Is it good for you? And is it good for what? <laughs> you know, right, what exactly. You, you know, so the, the, those things have to be looked at. And that's why I keep coming back to if it starts to feel overwhelming, just remember, if it's food that could have been hunted, fished, gathered, or plucked, it's probably good for you. <laughs> All right. And with that, we're out. Thank you so much, Dr. Johnny. Again, that's johnnybowden.com, J-O-N-N-Y-B-O-W-D-E-N.com. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time. 
Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean. And our operations manager is Michelle Med. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at the new and improved nutritionheretic.com, where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher.